Bad news is that's exactly what happened. Eve looked at the tree and saw that it was pleasing to the eye. Looked like it was tasty fruit. And it was good for gaining knowledge. And so she ate of it. And when she did so, she created a throne in her life that is a throne in each one of our lives. Because she chose to sit in a throne, in a chair over her own life and make a decision contrary than what God desired and created man to have. And you and I have been born into this very same nature. To have a throne that we sit in and live with a level of governance over our own lives, over our own lives based on the decisions that we have the, the, and the, thing, the choices that we make. This has plagued us ever, ever since the garden. But you see, God created man in his own image. He created man to live in a relationship with, with him that he was going to be the presence and he was going to be the author. He was going to be the governor over our lives. And since the fall, we found ourselves sliding back into this seat over and over again in each of our lives. And what happens when we when we sit in this chair is, you know, just from the angle and perspective of imagining this chair as a seat of judgment. Then everything that we look at in life, we look at from our own perspective. And what do I think is right? And what do I think is wrong? Right. If I look at Matt and say, hmm, I don't really like that shirt Matt's wearing. I wouldn't wear that shirt. I don't think that's a very nice shirt. Right. There's this judgment that's taking place in my mind. If I were Matt, I don't think I would wear that shirt because that shirt doesn't look good. I don't like that color. Right. And so we become chief God jury in our own lives and begin imagining and seeing everything from our own perspective. And so we look at and to some degree, fully judge what we see to be right, what we see to be wrong, and how would we do something and how we wouldn't do something. Even to the point of, you know, how you would put something away or where you would put it or how you put the lid on the toothpaste bottle. Right? Anybody guilty of this? Come on. I mean, anybody guilty of this? We're not going nowhere if nobody's guilty of this. Right? So we become our own chief judge and God over our own lives. And so the perspective in which we see things is really from this perspective that where we sit in this chair. But we were never created to sit in this chair. This chair was reserved for one person. And if you're going to understand how to live and how to step into a life of being empowered, you have to realize that being empowered is about who first and foremost. Who sits in this chair over our life. Because as long as we find ourselves oh so comfortable in sliding into this chair and making our own decisions and making our own judgments and having our own perspective and living by our own oftentimes false reality, we will never live the life that we were created to have with God. A life empowered when He is the presence governing your life. In my life. You follow me? What we find happening then 
when we have this tension and this struggle, there is this hostility between us and God so long as we are fully comfortable in sliding into this chair. Whenever our cheeks touch this chair, it creates an alternative reality to how God is imagining or what reality of a thing is. And we're going to unpack that in a minute. But one of the first things it does is that it creates a hostility. We see Paul when he's, when in, in, in Ephesians chapter 5. He says there is this great tension between us and our own flesh and how we are really called to live. In chapter 5 verse 16 he says, So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the, of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. You see, my flesh is extremely comfortable sitting in this chair because who is in charge and who is in control when I sit here? I am. So what I perceive and what I see to be right, what I perceive to be wrong appears to be right and appears to be wrong. You see, ever since we left the garden, mankind has been desiring to live in the garden. We were created to live in the garden where everything was provided for us. And so we live in this seat with some level of judgment, desiring for the reality of the life we live in to be more like the garden. So we look at a circumstance and we say, oh, I don't think this is right, or I don't think that should happen, or I don't think this should take place. And we judge it and say, okay, I need the peace and provision and everything to be right, just as it was in the garden. And so I am now looking at all the negative and difficult things in life and saying these should not take place because they steal my experience of life, and my experience of life should be like a garden. There's a tension between us. And all the different things in the life of the world that we experience. Especially when we sit in this seat, judging everything based on how we perceive it. You follow me? God desires, and he created a plan for us to live with him and commune with him and to grow in a knowledge of who he is. You see, when we sit in this chair, we definitely gain something. But it may or may not keep my microphone in my pocket. We definitely gain something, and it's called control. This chair gives us control. It puts us at the helm, at the wheel over our own lives. But is that a valuable thing or not? You see, what we find in Christianity is that Christ came that we might have a life Different than the life we were born into in the nature of sin. There is an alternative. There is a thing that he has done to end the hostility between us and God that allows us to be able to get out of this chair and invite him to sit in it again. Invite him to be the presence that governs and leads and guides our life. And when that becomes a reality, as we'll see There is an opportunity to enter in and to live into a garden of peace that we can never have when we find ourselves sitting in that seat. God put an end to the hostility, but we have to learn how to fight and engage in the battle over our flesh and learn how to live a life in the spirit in order for us to live a life empowered. You see, a life empowered is all about who is sitting in the seat. And I don't have power in and of myself except to draw my own conclusions 
and my own judgments. But there is a power and authority by Jesus Christ who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Because the reality is Jesus, the man, had one of those. He never sat in it. He never sat in that seat. He said, I simply do what I see my father doing and say what I hear my father saying. The world must see that that I am here to live my life in obedience to whatever the father may have. And I think there were plenty of times that Jesus understood the things that he was saying and understood the things that he was getting into in sheer obedience because the Lord had given him. But I think there are probably times where Jesus didn't understand the full outcome of what was going to happen. He just knew he was to be obedient to go down the hill this morning after he prayed and to walk toward Galilee. Not knowing what he was going to run into, but he found himself living in this dialogue between his father and himself and living for his father to be the governing voice in his life. But he chose not to sit in that chair. Even when it meant pain and punishment for something he was not guilty of. So he came to model and to pave a way and to end the hostility between us and his father. And he came and showed us how we can step into and be empowered by the spirit that he gave us to live the life just like he did, not sitting in that chair. You see, what happens when we choose to not sit in this chair and not find ourselves as the judge and jury over every circumstance of our life, we find ourselves asking God and inviting God to be the governing voice in our life. And we get to encounter him who is all power and authority on heaven and earth as it was given to Jesus by his father, being the active governing voice in our life. So what he says, we do what he leads us to. We follow Jesus plan is for us to know himself, to know the father. And so how do we do this? We do this by beginning to take the the opportunities and the thoughts and the ideas that we have over a thing. And instead of coming up with a judgment, ask a question. God, what do you think? You can't just stop your thinking of what a judgment may be. You can't just stop and say, "Okay, I don't know if this is right or not. You, you, You have to replace it with something. And Jesus is inviting us to live a life in dialogue with him. And so we ask him a question. God, what do you think? What do you want me to do? You want me to go to that party? Do you want me to stay home? And I don't want to make this into some fluky kind of deal. This is about the reality of how we practice encountering and growing in a knowledge of God. Because Jesus' plan is that we know him, that we encounter him. I mean, in in everything, not just in, you know, a moment of, you know, leading somebody into salvation. Not just in a moment of, of looking something, but that we... We begin to learn and live in a different reality, a reality of how God may see a thing or what God may be up to, and we get to join him in that. So we're no longer going to the grocery store just to buy groceries. We go to the grocery store and we say, you know, I, I don't know, but if I see this person over here crying in the cereal aisle and I don't know why they're crying, is it something you want me to do? You want something you want me to be involved in here? Because you're always at work redeeming and restoring something. Is there something you want me to be involved in? But if we live our life so focused on having ourselves comfortable in this chair, uh, we'll be we'll be completely distracted. I promise. 
So the enemy loves to take the things that God may have in store for us and twist them into something that they can never bear the fruit of his kingdom in. He loves to keep us so busy we would never stop and ask the prayer, ask the question, God, what are you doing and what are you saying and how can I join you in what you're doing? How can I just repeat what you're saying? Friends, God has so much more in store for your life and my life, but we have to learn how to get out of this chair. As I was um, I was here this morning preparing for the for this um, message. I just kind of took a break uh, about seven o'clock and was just like, OK, you know, some of some of this is, has just been rattling around in my mind for several weeks. And I felt led to kind of a change, a little bit of a change of pace from where I was going this morning. And. And I decided to take a break, say, God, I'm a, I think this is where you're where you have me going. But I just want to lay it up before you. And I'm going to go walk around and do some of the normal duties I do and unlock the doors and stuff. And uh, and as I went to unlock the front door, I um, uh, Shane Long, who's doing our sound this morning, uh, was walking across the parking lot to come in. He was the first person here. And so Shane and I have um, Shane's a hunter. And so uh, we know we, we each hunt and it's not abnormal to ask a hunter hey you've been hunting lately and so that's what i did and when i but when i asked shane this morning have you been hunting lately he just kind of stopped like there was a problem like, there's a problem and i'm like okay it was just an odd he said you have to read this text so i'm going to stop there and let shane come and uh, share his story with you this morning so as Scott said, I'm a hunter. I'm really an archery hunter, and this is a great time of year for us because we get to get out in the woods and nice and quiet. And, and God always meets me there. We have, I have had some of the most powerful, quiet times, some of the most amazing, intimate moments with Him. And Friday night, I got a word from Holy Spirit that was kind of unusual. It doesn't happen all the time with regards to my passion, my my hobby, and. Um, I'm just going to read this this text to you, if it's okay. I was uh, that morning. I had gone out to the woods, and um, my friends Terry, Perry, and Daryl. I know I've been told it sounds like a sitcom. Um, <laughs> they they had been texting that morning, and we had been keeping in touch with each other um, because of something that had happened at home. I had gotten a later start that morning. Uh, than I normally would. And when I was getting out of my truck because of the rain yesterday, I was going to park closer to where I hunt. Uh, and so I parked a little closer. Getting out of the truck, I hit the panic button on my car alarm. And so everything within six miles knows that I'm in the woods now. And so this word that I had gotten the night before seemed a little less relevant. So with that background text to my buddies. Good morning, folks. I'm sitting here in the rain and have just internalized the lesson that's broken my heart. For some reason, I feel compared to share, to share my lesson with you. I'm really angry with myself this a.m. Last night, I was talking with Kim, my wife, and Holy Spirit said that I needed to be ready at 810 to shoot a deer. And so I told Kim, I'm going to go shoot a deer at 810. Well, instead of listening to Holy Spirit, I was messing around with my iPad, even though he reminded me again this a.m. to be ready at 810. At 812, I looked up 
and there were three does right in front of my stand, but it was too late. They saw me at the same time I saw them. I'm not angry about missing the deer. That doesn't matter. I'm heartbroken that I didn't listen to Holy Spirit. Sitting here in tears because the creator of everything took time to speak to me about something as unimportant as when I would see a deer and I disregarded it. I know it sounds silly blubbering about a deer, but it's not about a deer. It's his words are like gold and should always be carefully followed, whether it's about a deer, eternity or anything in between. I don't know why I'm supposed to share my dirty laundry with you, but I'm going to listen this time and share it as I believe I'm supposed to. Our God is good and he cares about all the things in our life. So as I was sitting there just completely and utterly undone and humbled that God cares about it just reminded that God cares about everything and not one word that he speaks to me is unimportant, even though it may be about something as trivial as what I'm going to see when I'm sitting in the woods. Thanks, Shay. Yeah. I mean. Think about how crazy that is. I mean, I understand if it's like somebody's salvation, right? But we're talking about something way out here in the spectrum of what our experience is in life. Like, are we really supposed to pray about whether or not God would have a shoot of deer? And for any of those that are, you know, just deer lovers, Bambi got away. It's a good story, right? So, but the reality is, listen, God wants to be involved in everything. I mean, he wants to be involved in every detail. I mean, it's not just like the spiritual things. It's even in the fun activities that you go do. God loves us. He created us in his own image. He wants to be in a relationship with us. And he's omnipresent all the time, all-knowing, all-powerful. And he wants us to encounter and grow in a knowledge of him. Friends, if, you're, if your relationship in any way, shape, or form is about sitting in this seat... Six and a half days a week and then and then feeling like we can come to a church and hold up our hands and sing songs and live a life of worship. Then you are we are all fools. The life of worship comes when we learn how to step into the reality of who God is. And just sit here at his feet and let him be the governing voice over everything we have. We have to learn, just as Paul said, I, I, I consider myself dead. I join Christ in his death through this baptism. That it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives his life through me. It's not my life anymore. It's not about me. It's about whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say, however you want to use me, wherever you want me to go, whatever is taking place. It's all about you. And then we get to experience this life and this empowerment of his spirit that comes to live inside you and me. Because whenever we're sitting on this seat, we're messing it up. Trust me. Whenever we're sitting on the seat, we're just taking the next bite of that apple. And our life is being stolen, killed, and destroyed before our very eyes because we are judge and jury over everything that's happened in our life. And our life instead is to be identified with Christ in his death and that it is no longer I who live, but I'm going to begin living just as he lived before his father where he never sat on this throne over his own life, but he learned and he lived Fully submissive to the voice of his father and the presence of his father in his life.
And friends, if you understand that, then you can understand that an empowered life is all about who is sitting in this chair. And if you're like me, you spent way too many days, way too many moments living life from this perspective and missing the power of God's life in you. As we were worshiping this moment ago, I just I just got this image of how many times the church has been so caught up. How many times each one of us have been so caught up into sitting in this seat and imagining things as as we understand them to be. How many people have we missed? How many opportunities have we have we had to not just kneel before this seat, allowing God to be God and just saying, whatever you have for me. How many people in the grocery store, in the on the football team, in the carpool line have been missed to hear the goodness of who God is and the joy that he can bring in my life because I was sitting in that seat instead of standing here and say, just show me what you're doing and let me hear what you're saying so I can join you in what you're about. Because then, friends, we can step into the power of the reality of who he is and function and join him in the things that he's doing. But as long as my cheeks are in that seat, I am missing the life that he came for me to have. Let me just give you one practical illustration of what this can look like. Take something as simple as a trial or hardship. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to to James chapter one. James chapter one. Verse two. Paul says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Pure, that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Who wants to be mature and complete and not lacking anything? I mean, if, if he was passing it out and you got your hand raised, like, like, like who wants to be mature and complete and not lacking anything? I mean, that's a good thing, right? Well, if we look at a trial or a hardship or something painful from this seat, We're looking at it and we're saying something that God says is good is bad. Now, which is reality? Is this trial, is this difficulty a good thing or a bad thing? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? God says it's a good thing. And if I'm sitting in the seat and I look at it and I say it's a bad thing, who's wrong? Me. The perspective in which I am viewing a things from this seat has taken something that God says is good and I've learned to say it's bad. I'm becoming the God over my own life and I am choosing not to be in agreement with the spirit of God instead opposed to the spirit of God because I don't want to go through a trial. I don't want a difficulty and I don't want a hardship or the pain that that hardship entails. And so I look at it and say, you know, for me in my garden, everything's going to be clean and, 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 and proper and everything's going to be just right. And if this thing isn't just right, then it doesn't belong in my world. And I'm going to tell God this is how it's supposed to be. 
I don't like this. I don't see the value in it. And so I, 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 I live from my own world perspective, not able to see who God is and what he's doing and what he's about because he said it's a good thing. So if it's a good thing, then getting out of this chair now invites me to live from a different, a different life, an empowered life, joining God in what he is doing and what he is saying and how he is going about what he's doing. And he says, consider it pure joy, friends, when you go through trials of many kinds, because when you do so, there is a work that I'm doing. There is a good thing that I'm doing in your life to make you complete and mature and not lack anything. We want that. Right. We want to be mature and complete and not lacking anything. God is so good that he even uses hardships and trials to be the very thing that lead us to the life that he's called us to. A life empowered to be living in a garden of peace. Regardless of what a circumstance has to say over our life. This is the fruit of the spirit of God in our life that is empowered. A life that he is governing will bear his fruit. And one of the gifts of his fruit is peace. I will never find peace in my life when I'm sitting in this seat. The enemy will steal and kill and destroy the peace that God would have me experience when I get out of that seat and sit at his feet and say, whatever you want. Even if it means joining you in your suffering. Even if it means being made into your image and learning to see things through the image in which you see them. Now, I have a life that can be empowered to live just as Christ did. Because he suffered even to the point of death for something he was not guilty of. And it, it was painful. But to him, it didn't matter that it was painful. It mattered whether or not his father was doing a good work and a good thing and inviting him to join him in it. Friends, this is an alternative to the life that we can live. But we have to learn how to get out of this seat. And there are three things that I want you to hear how to get out of this seat. Number one, you ask questions. So instead of coming up with constant judgments and, and our own perspectives of reality, we learn to dialogue and ask God questions. God, I don't, I don't like that shirt that's wearing, but what do I care? Do you like it? Maybe you told him to wear it just to bring out that little thing in me that I can lay on the altar before you. I don't like this trial or this hardship, but God, let me lay it down before you as an act of worship because you want to do a good thing in me. That is better for me to go through than I ever could have apart from going through it because you are doing a work to mature me and to bring me to a place of completion and not lacking anything. So I can I can choose to worship you and to thank you for this hardship in my life. The second thing is, so first we begin to ask questions. God, what are you saying? What are you doing? How are you perceiving this? And we're not just thinking our own thoughts, but we're inviting him to replace the thoughts that we have with thoughts that he might put into our head. Secondly, we're connected with God and we're dying to ourselves. 
We're living just as Jesus did. I believe he was absolutely tempted to sit in this chair and to make his own decisions and to, and to govern a choice in his own life, but he never chose to sit there. We have to live the same in the same manner, empowered by his spirit to deny ourselves our own perspective and what that perspective wants to lead us to. And thirdly, we have to be able to learn to trust God. And when we're asking questions and we're desiring to deny ourselves and we're willing to grow and to trust God, we're going to encounter God in that moment. We're going to have encountering things in stuff that doesn't even doesn't even mean anything. Like whether or not you're going to see a deer when you go deer hunting. Like how ridiculous is that? It's not about the deer. It's about God saying, dude, I love you. I'm setting you up for a testimony on Sunday morning. That you don't even know about. I'm the author of all things. And I'm even going to speak to you about something so far out here that doesn't even seem to be spiritual. And the fruit that we encounter is to always be humbled and honored by that voice of God in our life. As he changes everything about who we are and everything we're living in. So let me ask you, where are you? I would assume most of you are just like me, very comfortable in this chair. But if we're going to live a life of worship, we have to grow to be uncomfortable with what this chair represents when we sit in it. Because it does not welcome Jesus Christ to be Lord over our lives. It does not welcome us to the empowered life that Jesus came to give us. It does not lead us to a life of abundance that he says he came to bring. It only steals, kills, and destroys. It only paints a perspective and a justification for our life that we choose to follow and obey false voices that are opposed to what God would have. And we find ourselves not experiencing the peace of his spirit instead experience the hostility of what a life separate from him is like even though we've given our life to christ and asked him to be lord but aren't living to practice it paul said in romans chapter 12 in view of god's mercy Live your life as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to god this is your spiritual act of worship Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world that says sit in this seat, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to know what God's will is, his good, his perfect and his pleasing will. Friends, we have an opportunity to live a life of sacrifice and to live a life empowered by God's spirit. But it's all a matter of who governs our life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For the price that you paid, for the life that you came to give. Thank you, Lord, that you love us enough that you want to you want to dialogue with us. You want to surprise us. You want to give little whispers and echoes of things that you're doing in people's lives and just just every day have us amazed by your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that there are there, there are moments of trial and and difficulty and and hardship, Lord, that you want to turn into praise. But Jesus, right now, I pray that you just your spirit would move in this place and move in our hearts and lead us to a place where we detest the thought of sitting in this seat. 
Thank you, Lord, that you invite us and you modeled for us how to just bow before your throne. How to live a life and to join you in the calling that we have. Father, forgive us of all the missed opportunities, of all the the things that you were doing around us that we were just so busy we couldn't even understand or recognize. We're so consumed with self and I and perspective and judgment and criticism that we don't even imagine the pain or the difficulty someone's going through and how to come alongside and encourage and build up and minister just as you would. Give us a sensitivity to your spirit. Lord, we, we desire power, but not for power's sake, for your glory's sake. Won't you empower your people to live before you humble and honored to join you in the very things that you want to do as you redeem and restore this world we live in?